Luke chapter number 1, and I want to share these things kind of quickly this evening, but I thank you for your faithfulness. I've enjoyed studying a little bit about the book of Luke. And, and um, how many of you were not in the service this morning? You were serving in some other capacity. Would you raise your hand? Okay, that's kind of what I remember, and I don't want to be redundant. At the same time, uh, oftentimes people will say to me, Pastor, I really appreciate it when you review what you said on Sunday morning so we can kind of get caught up, and I won't do all of that. But I love the book of Luke. I've grown to love it even more so, have listened to it uh, scores of times, have been reading the book of Luke and learning a little bit about uh, its background. And I'm thankful. It's the, it's the gospel to the Gentile people. Luke is a medical professional and probably was saved in the, in the church potentially of uh, Philippi, maybe a little bit earlier in Paul's journey. But nonetheless, he followed Paul and stayed with him to the very end of his life, caring for him. Paul uh, needed, looks like, a physician. He is someone who loved him. And he may have been financed by a guy named Theophilus. Theophilus was a wealthy uh, Roman um, uh, businessman, or at least in the government, and maybe had some funds, and he said, you know what, Paul led me to Christ, I want to help him. How about you, forget your practice, follow him around and help him in his ministry. I just thank God for helping people, don't you? Appreciate for people using what they have for the glory of God. I can't help but think about this medical professional. I think about Brother Seamer. Dr. Seamer was, in the, was in a medical doctor and now has used his skills all these years to help missionaries. When he could have had his own practice doing his own thing, he has traveled the, traveled the world and takes phone calls with every, almost every day with some missionaries somewhere dealing with a parasite or dealing with symptoms that they're not sure what to do in oftentimes third world countries and have someone with his acumen to help them. But Luke, while caring for Paul, looks like to me two years while he was in Caesarea, he did a lot of interviewing. And he says, having full knowledge, have complete knowledge of all the things that happened from the beginning, after interviewing a lot of eyewitnesses, he puts in print two books of the Bible, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And teaching us to observe and use the gifts that God's given us, whatever that may be. You are gifted. You've got to get unwrapped and use your talents for the Lord, wherever it is that God's given you to do. He introduces us to Zacharias and Elizabeth. They are not found in Matthew, Mark, or in John, but they are found in Luke. And they are the tribe of Levi. They've been faithful. They both were, were righteous before the Lord, but they went many decades without a child, and it definitely was a heartache to, to both of them, but especially Elizabeth, as that is the case. And uh, however, while doing his job at the priest office, burning incense, maybe a one-time-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do it, there were over 20,000 priests, they tell us, in Israel at that time in the Levitical priesthood. And so maybe only twice a year he would have a whole week of responsibility from Sabbath to Sabbath, but it would be unusual. There would be the small job of just opening a door. And you might remember that, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. That was a small job for a Levitical uh, uh, job. Or to burn incense or to keep the, the fire on the, on the burning altar. There would be many different things that they would do or keep water in the laver. They had multiple things that they would do or sacrifice animals and help, help with the sacrifice of God's people when they would come and bring things. But his job was to burn incense and that's where he gets an appearance by Gabriel. Uh, the angel of the Lord comes to him and tells him, you're going to be a daddy. He said, how am I going to do this? I'm old and my wife's well stricken in years. That was a nice way to say, she's old too. <laughs> and uh, he said, she's got issues and how can we do this? He said, 
well, I'm Gabriel, and I stand before the presence of the Lord. He told me to tell you that. How about that? He said, I think I'm just going to keep you from talking and maybe even from listening for the next 10 months of your life. And uh, he left there and went out. I could just imagine him going out, and, and the people said he took a long time. I'm not sure. The incense, they saw it go up, and then he, it wasn't coming out. It wasn't coming out. And he came out, and the Bible says he raised his hand to get their attention. Mm. Nothing. Let me try this again. I could just imagine one. He can't speak, and I'm sure it was pretty embarrassing, but he probably did this. Went out and did his job, and then went back to his Judean Hill home. And there, uh, Elizabeth had uh, got impregnated, and she's going to have a baby. And just a while later, that Gabriel would leave him and go to Mary and tell Mary that God is going to allow her to be the carrier of the Christ child as a, as a virgin young lady, a spouse to Joseph. He would have to tell Joseph about it so Joseph would not divorce her and put her away. And if he was going to do that, he was a very just man. He wasn't going to do it, whereas a big, he loved her enough. He didn't want to hurt her any more than she had, but he sure had a lot more questions and answers. And uh, the Lord gave him the okay to marry her and they would not consummate their marriage until after the baby was born. But we find that uh, in that process, Mary accepted the thing that God had chosen for her. You know, everybody has different ways of life. All of us have general things that are a will of God for us to do. Uh, I think the will of God is general for everybody. I think there's things that I need to do that you need to do, and it's no difference. If you're a man or you're a woman, I think there's something. Number one, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So I know that's the will of God. If you're, sa if you're unsaved, God wants you to be saved. If you're on your way to hell, God wants you to go to heaven. If you go to hell, you'll go to hell against God's will. He wants all to come to repentance, to change. If you're here tonight, you need to do that. I hope you'll do that tonight. Don't, don't go to hell from First Baptist Church of Hammond. Uh, don't go to hell from America where a land is flooded with light. Make sure you get saved. And if you are saved, God's will, if He doesn't want anyone to perish, then He wants us to be soul conscious. He wants us to, to get gospel tracts. And he wants us to plant seeds and talk about Christ and pray for the lost and, and, and be concerned for our neighbors and our co-workers. Uh, all of us ought to be involved with getting the lost to Jesus Christ because that's the will of God, that no one perish. Number two, the will of God is that we all be sanctified, clean and set apart. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Bible tells us, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication. We live in a very perverse world. It's not hard to find uh, pornography. It's not hard to find things. People can find it on TikTok. They can find it on shorts. And they can find it on, on uh, YouTube and, and all kinds of places. Instagram, you can find wicked, vile things. It's everywhere. The Bible says this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication. Colossians chapter 3, and, and the Bible will tell us in chapter 2, it will tell us to mortify those, those members that are upon the earth, starting with fornication and all uncleanliness and evil concupiscence. That's creating desires for things that are forbidden. He said, get rid of that. Mortify it. Put it to death. Don't let it start growing. If you don't go for sin's juggler, it'll go for your juggler. If you start playing with sin, sin will eventually start playing with you. And it gets out of control. The, the, little, the terrible little lie of the devil is that little sins stay little. Little sins do not stay little. 
You allow little things, and they, they grow into, into greater things that create more complications in your life. The Bible says will be holding with the cords of their sin. Continue just to wrap you up until you have no ability to break it. And all of us need to go to God with those things. But I think it's an important thing that we understand the purity of things. And we find that, that Mary was pure. And, and these are things that we ought to do. But God's wills will be sanctified. God's wills will be separated. I'm glad. And I didn't do it myself. God led me to an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, high-standard church. My dad was that way, and I thank God for that. But when I came as an adult, I decided that's where I want to go. I had my choices. I had choices to take exits off the high road of, uh, of making sure that, uh, that I was above reproach in many things. And I'm not perfect. My wife's not perfect. But I think a man ought to dress like a man. A lady ought to dress like a lady. I think there ought to be modesty. I think there ought to be distinction between how a man dresses, how a lady dresses. And I think we ought to do this when we're starting our children out young, teaching them modesty. Put your little girls in dresses. Put your, put your young men, dress them like young men. Uh, let's, let's, wear high, let's be high on the high road of holiness. Be careful with your music. Be careful with your entertainment. Be careful with what you do. It's amazing. Sometimes people make excuses and say, well, we're on the holidays or we're on vacation. So we just we kind of let our hair down a little bit. Listen, let your hair down. Enjoy that. We're going to take some vacation this week with Linda and the, and the five remaining kids that are alive and remain until they just keep falling off. And we got five of them there. We're going to do it. But, but you know, I don't want to take, I don't want to, I don't want to go to places that, that if, if, if it's wrong here, it's wrong there. No, if alcohol is wrong here, it's wrong when you're on vacation. If questionable movies are wrong here, they're wrong there. Be careful with that and stay on the high road. I didn't choose it for myself initially, but I was exposed to it. And I just decided as I got a little older, I think I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to stay. I want to, I want to please Him as best I can. And I know that standards don't make you better than somebody else. There are some people that have more standards than you can shake a stick at, and their heart is as evil, and their mouth is as critical as they can be. I don't want to be there. But I do believe that you can have a sweet spirit and have high standards of holiness, and I think you ought to have it. And the Bible says it's the will of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What's the next word? Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your, it's the reasonable thing to live a holy life. If Christ died for you, I should live for Him. If He, if he, if he gave it up for me, I should give it up to Him in holy life. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, changed, different in your mind, how you think. That you may prove or, or, or demonstrate what is that good and acceptable and perfect what? Will of God. I know it's the will of God that I be saved and be soul winning. I know it's the will of God that I be sanctified. Abstaining from fornication and, and immorality and wrong kind of viewing. What wrong kind of activities? I know it's God's will. He said, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication. I know it's God's will that I be separated in the way I think, what I do, where I go, that I'm not conformed to this world system, but I think differently. And I'm demonstrating to God and to my brothers and sisters and to an unsaved world that I want to live the will of God. It's separation. 
I think it's God's will, according to 1 Peter chapter number 2, that we be submissive to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. That I be a submissive person. James deals with it in chapter number 4 of James. He says, from whence come wars and fightings among you, coming out hence from your own uh, lusts that war in your own members. He goes on to say, you adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world and getting cuddling up with the world is enmity with God. And I, I tell you, young people and older people alike, one of the reasons that people get, don't get along with people and you've got drama mamas running around everywhere because you don't want to submit. You're too full of yourself. You're too much pride. And I have it too. I should, I should turn that finger toward me. we got too much pride. And one of the reasons that we have, in, we have inner fightings among us, we can't even get with the family without problems. We can't go, to, can't go to a softball game without problems. We can't go to a Christmas gathering without problems. Why? It's because we've got too much of me in me. And I'm not willing to submit to God and His ordained authorities in our life. Why are we worldly? Why do we have a friendship with the world? Why do we want to, to do what the world wants to do and go where they want to go and hear what they want to hear and see what they want to see? And why do we want to blend in instead of stand out? Why? Because we don't want to submit to God. We don't want to submit to Him. And the Bible says in context of James chapter 4, it said, draw nigh to God. What will He do? Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. He tells us, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and guess what he'll do? You know what? People are always having problems with the devil. Boy, learn to submit to God. He's stronger than you. And the devil's no match for God. But learning to submit your will to the Lord. Submit to God and His ordained authorities. Young people, when you're a rebellious young person, you're your own worst enemy. And don't be compliantly rebellious. Be submissive to God. I was really blessed one time. I was correcting one of my kids, and I told him, it seems like everything I'm trying to tell you to do, you're doing something opposite. And he broke down right there in the moment. He said, Dad, I don't want to be that way. I want to want what you want, but I've got a strong will inside of me that's fighting that. And I'm sorry, and I'm going to work on that. Well, that's a great, that's a great response. It's admitting, you know, and I got a rebellious part. I, I remember talking to a lady one time, well, I'm just naturally rebellious. And boy, she was. I said, how do you like yourself? She goes, I don't like it. I said, you're hurting yourself. Rebellion is as the sin of? Yeah, you want, you want to invite satanic opposition in your life? You want to give another a foothold for Satan to mess with you? Molest and challenge you? I don't want that. By the way, I think we give, I think it's amazing. I think whenever we have a big day, we ought to pray, God, rebuke Satan in this situation. When you're praying for your kids, ask the Lord to put Satan on a shorter leash in our marriage, in our relationships with our kids. Rebuke him. I can't rebuke him. I'm not here to rebuke Satan. I'll let the God do all that stuff. But boy, go to the Lord and ask him, you know, Make this day a smooth day. How many of us have enjoyed, remember friend days or special days whenever we're given the gospel and you can hear a pen drop? And there's other days where it's like there's more activity that you can shake a stick at. 
Everybody's getting up, coming back, and walking around, standing up, putting their church, church, their coats on, and you're thinking, what is going on? There's many days like that. I think, you know what? I didn't pray like I should have prayed that Satan be rebuked in that service. I think sometimes we have big days and we have really a sweet, sweet drawing of God. It's because people pray a little bit more during those days. Boy, every Sunday ought to be a prayer day like that. But I know it's God's will that I be saved and soul winning. I know it's God's will that I be sanctified and pure and, and abstain from fornication. Any immorality in my mind, in your mind, in our motives. Making sure our motives are pure. God sees through that. Making sure we're separated unto God from the world in our thinking. If our thinking is separated, then our activities won't even be an argument. If you, if you think right. But, it, but our problem is here between our ears. We, 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 we kind of played into the philosophy. That's why uh, Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 8, Apostle Paul says, uh, and, he, and he says, Beware, lest any man deceive you and spoil you, steal from you your time, your years, your effectiveness, your perspectives, spoils you, take you away from you. I wonder how much time... Uh, I have had stolen from me because of philosophy. Philosophies are, are a set of values that govern your decision. All of us have philosophy. We have philosophy about everything. You have a philosophy about food. You know, when you think about a good food to eat, you know, you, you know some folks, your philosophy will determine where you go eat. If you like to be served, you're not going to the Golden Corral very often. Because they make you serve yourself. You know? They're not going to go do that because you don't, you don't, they don't serve you. You have to go up and go to the, the table yourself. And some of us have been there a few times, I think. But, it, but if, if you like to be served, you're not going to go to a buffet. You want to go to some place where someone's there and wiping your little face, you know? Taking care of everything for you. They wanna, you want to be served. That's a philosophy that determines where you're going to go eat. And your philosophy determines what you'll do. If you've got a weak opinion of God, you're going to have a low, you're going to have a low standard of, of living. If you think God is high and lifted up, you're going to see, my goodness, He deserves my best. He deserves it. If He was reproached, guess what? I'm going to have to deal with some of that from sometimes. If He was a giver, then that's what God wants me to do. He wants me to be a giver. If He loves the world, guess what i got to do? I'm going to love the world he loves. When we get a heart for God's big world, he gets a heart for our smaller world. He'll take care of us. But then I know it's God's will that we be thankful. You know the verse, in everything, give thanks. Why? These are things I know in the Bible, the will of God. Now, the plan of God is very unique to you. It's customized. Who you're going to marry, where you're going to live on the planet, where, who you're going to be able to talk to, what your gifts and strengths are, are far different than anyone else on the planet. But the will of God, I think, is pretty much generic for everybody. Everything we just described, saved and soul winning, submissive, uh, sanctified, se separated of the Lord, and satisfied and, and thankful. I, I'm amazed at how many times people are, are failed, Christian people, fail to have victory in their life because they are not grateful. And everybody has to live with an ungrateful person. It's just, it's just miserable. They're not content. I think from the very first sin of, of mankind, 
Eve had a garden. Adam had a garden. They could have anything in that garden. God made Adam, and he gave him responsibility to take dress and keep a garden. He gave him a rule. Don't eat that tree. Just one tree. There's hundreds and thousands of trees. They all can have anything you want on them. Enjoy all of those things. Don't eat one tree. Gave him a rule. And then he gave him a relationship with him and then with Eve. It's interesting there, but you know, I think one of the things that I don't know exactly all that happened on that, that terrible time of, of Genesis chapter 3. But, but if you just think about it for a second, Eve and Satan had a conversation about around the very tree that she could not enjoy. There may be a lack of contentment there. You know, people who are content with their spouse, their situation, God's pace, God's place in their life, they are very wonderful to be with. And they're not going to be chasing anybody else. When you want what you have and not what you don't have. Folks that you want respect. You want people to admire you. You're not happy with how people treat you. And that unthankfulness, it bleeds over into all kinds of other mess. And I, I don't know about you. I know it's inside of me. It's interesting to me with all the wicked, vile sins that are mentioned in Romans chapter 1. It starts off, neither were they thankful. The first one is an ingratitude. Are you a thankful person? Maybe I shouldn't ask you. I should ask people that spend time with you. Are you someone who, who is grateful and appreciative of what God has given you? Are you grateful for what God has given you? Or do you complain, frustrated? I don't like this. How can we have to do this? Listen, don't be that way. You know, you say, Pastor, because I get on your nerves? Not because you get on my nerves. Because you set yourself up for being outside the will of God and potentially creating more drama and more sin for your life. There's something about godliness with is great. Being godly and, and content. It, you can't be the guy like that. Because they're not trying to do something outside their, outside their rug. Nonetheless, we find that God has put the will of God together and he, and he, and he gives it to us. And, and I love the fact that, that, that not only Zechariah, but also Elizabeth, they were righteous in the sight of God. And God was given a little boy. And of course, he went to Mary. Mary uh, took what God had given to her and said, you know what? Be it unto me according to thy word. I'll accept it. Then she said, uh, I'm going to go find a godly friend. And I'm going I'm I'm to get the influence of a godly older lady. And she came to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, boy, she did exactly what Mary needed. She confirmed what God was doing in her heart. She spent three months there. Mary, most likely, or Elizabeth probably had John. She goes back to Nazareth and uh, probably back to her home with Joseph at this time. And uh, then uh, Elizabeth has uh, John. John is born. Uh, they said, oh, man, this is great. It's unbelievable. Everybody was happy. All the family was there rejoicing. Eight days after he's born, they were going to name him. And they said, let's name him Zacharias. And, and boy, boy um, Elizabeth said, no, no, his name's going to be John. What? There's no one named John in your family? He goes, yeah, it's just going to be John. We're going to go ask Zacharias. And they signed to him, maybe in sign language, maybe he had been mute, maybe deaf too, but they signed to him, what's the name? And he wrote it down, John. They were amazed. And then immediately his, uh, his lips opened up. He was able to talk and communicate normally. And I think it's interesting there, when he made 
the obedient decision. It wasn't when John was born, but when he named him John, God loosened him. I think obedience to God allows liberty in our hearts and lives. Now, we, we have bought the lie that, boy, if, you, if you're really living holy for God, what's well, a miserable life? No, no, that's, that's the good life. Learning to obey God. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but just to trust Him and obey Him. Do what God wants you to do. Nonetheless, we find that uh, Zacharias, he does, he does give that to him. And the Bible tells us that God's hand was upon John the Baptist. Then uh, whenever the miracle heard, it was heard about, everybody in that area knew about it. And boy, the news got out. By the way, when you're spirit-filled, the news will get out. And God gave John the Baptist a spirit-filled daddy, and I hope he gives the, the Wilkerson kids a spirit-filled daddy as well, a spirit-filled mom. And I hope he gives the John and Linda Wilkerson spirit-filled children that would love the Lord. And I hope you get, you get that to your, to your community, wherever you may be. We find that, uh, that Zacharias breaks out into a praise for the Lord. And by the way, we, Mary did that too. Mary broke out into the Magnificent, which she praised the Lord. This is called the Benedictus, which in some, some theologians have called it that. And this is where uh, Zacharias praises God. And he focuses his first praise on, and his praise on Jesus Christ. By the way, I think one of the best things we can do is keep our mind stayed on Jesus. A great verse of Scripture is Isaiah 26.3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because he trusts in the Lord. You want to have peace? Put your faith in God. Trust him and think about him. Let your mind be stayed and leaning upon him. Take your care and make it prayer. Well, he does. He begins to praise. Let's look at it real quickly, and then we'll take a couple thoughts and, and be done this evening. Thank you for your attention. Verse number 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. He hath raised up a horn of salvation. That horn of salvation is Jesus, going to us of the house of his servant David. He would come from the lineage of David. He spake by his mouth of his holy prophets. This was prophesied years before, which um, hath been since the world began. And that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. And, of course, he's going to go talk about the Roman government. And this prayer, would, this praise would not come to fruition in his lifetime. It will one day. It's amazing that the, how many have heard anti-Semitism in recent days. It's just popping up again in a, in a, in a, with a vengeance. You know, it's, it's not like anti-Hawaiians. You ever heard that one? Anti-Vietnamese. Why in the world is there one people on the planet that just there's an anti against them? You ever heard anti-African? But boy, the nation of Israel—they've been—they've 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 been stifled. They're, they're God's people, and God has a plan for the ages, and it will revolve around that little country in the center of our world there. And uh, I'm grateful for that. I love our Bible. The Jewish people gave us two things. They gave us our scriptures and they gave us our Savior through the lineage of David. Very thankful for that. If you've got issues with that, you've got issues with God. And uh, Genesis chapter 12, he says, I'll bless those that bless them. And I'm, I'm always nervous when our government takes a negative stand toward Israel. It's something we ought to make sure that we, that we pray. I, I was talking to a Jewish man the other day and at length I talked to him. And I said, you know, you need to know that I'm a Christian. And I love the nation of Israel. I love the Jewish people, and I love you. I have a little, a little, um, uh, a little tract that I give Jewish people in my briefcase. 
and try to share that gospel with them. I, oftentimes they've rejected. Jesus came into his own and his own received not, but he still loves them. And he's still got a plan for the ages through his people. And I think all of us need to, need to be okay with that. But he, he's telling me, he I I, I'm so glad you're going to send the Savior and forgive our sin to redeem us, but also to get us off of the yoke of the Roman Empire. And, of course, that was his, his thinking. Of course, even, even the disciples felt that even up to the cross almost, thinking, what's going on? I think it's one of the reasons Peter said, I'm going fishing, because he thought he would come and, and, uh, and relieve them of their, of their dominance of the Roman Empire. But let's look real quickly at the next thing, verse number 77, actually through 76. And thou, child, now he turns his attention to his son, John the Baptist. He's spirit-filled when he speaks these things. Shalt thou be the prophet of the highest? Is highest capitalized in your Bible? Yes, and because it refers to who? To the Lord. Thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. This is a prophetic thing of Isaiah, also of Malachi chapter 3 and 4. To give knowledge to the salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercies of our God, whereby the day spring from on high shall be visited, for visited us. And he's speaking prophetically of what Jesus would do. Uh, he would give knowledge of salvation. He said, John, my son, you're going to be used of God. You're the, you're the prophet that God predicted to go before and prepare the way of the Lord to give knowledge of salvation to his people and learn how they can get remission of sins. And uh, through the tender mercy of God, verse number 79, read it with me out loud, would you please? To give light to them that sit in darkness. Boy, I tell you what, I love that verse. Aren't you glad that that's what Jesus does for us? And by the way, your job is to be like John the Baptist. John the Baptist is so admirable for many reasons. I love the fact that he, he uh, brought joy and gladness to his parents. I love the fact that he was great in the sight of the Lord. When God looked at him, he was pleased with his life. It's one thing if you look at me or I look at you, but God looked at him and said, you know what? He's good with me. He was separated from wine and strong drink. He, he, he didn't go there. He was a separated Christian. He was spirit-filled, and he turned others to the Lord Jesus Christ. And here the Bible says, you're going to prepare the way of the Lord for other people, and you're going to be light in the darkness. Boy, everybody else, that's what, it goes right along with Matthew chapter 5. Let your light so shine before they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Last verse, would you look at it with me if you would please? And the child grew and waxed strong how? And was in the deserts until the day of his showing into Israel. I want to just point out two things to you. Number one, waxing strong in spirit. One thing that we all need desperately, we need inner man's strength in our inner spirit. You know, it takes inner man's strength to stay when you want to leave. It takes inner man's strength to serve when you want to quit. It takes inner man's strength to be pure when you want to be impure. It takes inner man's strength. This is something that we all need, and you wax strong in spirit. I want to ask you today to go, if you would please, to Ephesians chapter 3, and we'll conclude with this, except for the fact that I want you to, I want you to know one more thing about him, and I'll maybe mention that in closing. Ephesians chapter 3, would everybody turn there in your Bibles? If you're not turning there, let's do it, okay? Ephesians chapter 3, I want you to underline this verse in your Bible. Ephesians 3, and we'll look at verse number 16. Apostle Paul gives us entrance into his prayer life, and he prays for those that he loves 
And here's his, one of his first prayer requests, verse 16, Ephesians chapter 3. What's the first word you see? That. Okay, we're all in the right verse right there. Ready? Ephesians 3, verse 16. Let's read it together. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, I don't know what you would pray for me about or what I should pray for you about, but I love it when someone tells me, I'm praying, Pastor, you'll be strengthened with God's might by His Spirit. Where? Inner man. You know, it says that John the Baptist waxed strong in spirit. Inner man's strength is one of the greatest blessings you can give to anyone around you. To be strong in the inner man. To stay, to study, to serve, to go soul winning, to disciple people, to be pure, to not quit. You need inner man strength because everything is going against the child of God. Inner man strength is so important. I want to encourage you, maybe even this Christmas season, why don't you pray? Say, God, give me inner man strength. Strengthen me with your spirit in the inner man. And then I think of one more thing about John the Baptist. He waxed strong in spirit. And the Bible says, and he was in the desert. He was in, in, in uh, secluded places, the Bible says, um, until the day in which he was supposed to be revealed to Israel. I'll just say this to you. I don't know who it, it, it pertains to. It may not pertain to anybody in here. But here's what I have found that God does. He uses the tool of delay often in our life. God sometimes seems slow. Have you ever noticed that about that, about God? But he's never been late. And here is John the Baptist. And the Bible says that he secluded himself in the desert places or in wilderness places, away from the world, away from the politics, away from the economics of the day, until it was time for him to come out and to be used of God. Here's one thing I think you'll see in any one that God uses. There are hiding places before there is platforms of opportunity. Think about Elijah. Whenever God says, now, go tell, I, uh, go tell Ahab, a guy that's ticked me off more than any other king ever has and ever will. He makes me so mad. Go tell him it's not going to rain to you, say so. Oh, yeah, okay. And here he is, Elijah from Tish. You ever heard of Tish? You won't hear of Tish. He's a Tishbite. He's probably from a one-horse town, okay? He shows up, and he thinks he's all that in a bag of chips, and he tells them, this is not going to happen until I say so. I'm sure one of the guards says, hey, you want me to take him down, king? He says, nah, let the country bumpkin walk. That's just, that, that's just, a, just a guy sounding off. Let him get out of here. Boy, that guy started chasing him after about a year and a half of no rain. And they were trying to find that little country bumpkin. I'm sure he walked out of the palace. I and mean, that was fun. Lord, what else do you want me to do? He said, go sit by a creek. I'll feed you breakfast and dinner of the birds. Probably took the bread off of Ahab's counter and, and dropped it off right over on him. He said, I'll have someone feed you every morning and night. I said, okay. But it was a long time of sitting there in loneliness, in obscurity, waiting until there would be a Mount Carmel. So it was a long time. And, and then he was moved from there, and the brook dried up, and said, okay, now what am I going to do? Okay, it's about time for me to do something. No, go, go over to Zarephath and to Zidon, and there'll be a little widow woman that'll take care of you. 
really? Zidon, that's where uh, Jezebel's from. That's where her dad's at, uh, the priest, yeah. Go right into their neighborhood. We'll be all right. And God let him stay in a little widow's house until it was time to go. You know, Jesus spent his first 30 years. You can't find anything that Jesus did from the time he was 12 until the next 18 years. 18 years of obscurity. <laughs> Hanging doors, making tables, making chairs, framing houses, doing every dozen a carpenter shop. 18 years. You know how much you know about him? Zero. All he did is submitted himself to his Joseph and Mary. That's all he did. Until it was time for him to get baptized. and Then he went off to do what he came to the earth to do. Moses, 40 years in the wilderness. David, you're going to be the king. Wow, what's next? Go back and watch sheep. What? Yeah. Go back and watch sheep. It would be years before he would be the king. Had to be, he had to learn some things in the backside of life. Some of you, you're there now. Some of you have platforms as we speak. There's still things God's working in your life about, but some of you are frustrated as the day is long. And you're upset with God and everybody else around you because you're not where you think you should be. I think it'd be a good day for you to say, God, I'm going to remain strong in spirit in solitary places until you think it's time for me to be platformed in a place of opportunity. I think that could help all of us.